0: Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to talk about toleration and intoleration, as we discuss intoleration nation. So with this concept, what we want to do is first let's talk about what is toleration. Toleration would mean that we can get along with, in peace, people who hold views different from our own opinions. Unfortunately, in what is being declared here in America today, is everyone has to be tolerant. The only... Exception is you are made, you are evil if you are intolerant, and intolerance means you do not love, support, embrace, and celebrate viewpoints different than yours. There is nothing in the scriptures which would command us that. Now, there is actually a verse we want to look at though, and this is from Romans 12 18. In fact, we're going to do 18 to 21. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take down your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is toleration. Toleration is to live at peace with all men, irregardless as if they believe the same way you do. And as Christians, we have to be tolerant. We have to understand that there's going to be people who agree with different things than we do. There's going to be people who say, I want to do X, Y, or Z, whatever. I want to transition. I want to have homosexual uh, homosexual relationship. That's fine. In the Christian life, we have to tolerate those viewpoints so long as they're not a member of the church. Because First Corinthians 5 tells us, hey, we don't have any business judging the outsiders. The outside people, our only task is to preach the word of God to them. Outside of preaching the word of God to them, it doesn't matter what else. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is because, once again, I got another Moody, Moody Media Church uh, newsletter. And you guys really liked us the last time, so I thought I'd go over this. And uh, this one is subtitled, The Icon of Tolerance in America Today. And he says, there's one thing that modern tolerance will not permit. And, of course, we have the Q&A sessions. But I thought that the, um, the introduction of the newsletter here from Erwin Lutzer was, was pretty good as well says, dear friend, to hear some people talk, you'd think that sin no longer exists in our society. But if there were one sin left, it would be intolerance. Now, that's hilarious to say because our whole nation runs around on tolerance. We have to be tolerant. Unfortunately, they declare that we don't want to be tolerant of things that they disagree with. Okay, so let's examine some definitions of tolerance closely. Now, this is important to to talk about because there's even a book out there by uh, Ryan Dobson called Be Intolerant. I read that book. It's a bunch of dribbling nonsense. And despite that guy proclaiming, I'm just a Christian, um, Jim Dobson's son, of course, at least at the time he wrote that book, he was a godless heretic, okay? Godless heretic. The man's a fool. He only got the book published because his daddy is James Dobson, okay? And it was hateful it was mean-spirited there was nothing in it that had anything like biblical love look at that It, it depends on us live at peace with all people okay so he goes on in his newsletter to write but let's examine some of the definitions of the word tolerance closely legal tolerance is the basic right of everyone to believe whatever they choose to believe and to say whatever they want to say this kind of tolerance means we have the freedom to worship or not to worship, to be political conservative or political liberal. Freedom of thought and freedom of speech must be defended, even when we are offended by what others might have to say. Second, he says there is social tolerance, a basic respect for people of all races, cultures, and economic levels. Here in the United States, we have a blend of people from different countries, religions, and backgrounds, so we must be tolerant of our acceptance to these differences. This kind of tolerance is virtuous. And indeed, that is really how a lot of people are. But today, he writes, tolerance often means something very different. It means to be tolerant of almost every kind of aberrant behavior, and it insists that those who disagree with these viewpoints are intolerant. If you oppose radical sexualism, the same-sex marriage, transgenderism, abortion, you are intolerant and deserve to be shamed. This kind of tolerance loathes moral absolutes. It is tolerant only if of those who march in step with a self-defined tolerant crowd. In short, this kind of tolerance is viscerally intolerant of those of us who hold biblical values. And that is very true. There is an assault on people who hold biblical values. I'm not going to read the rest of this. I encourage you to jump on his newsletter to, um, to see what he has to say. But I do want to jump on over to the Q&A session. And like we did the last time there was a QA. and I want to read through it. I want to read what his answers are and give my commentary on it. So the first question, the United States was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. What is the philosophical basis for the rejection of this heritage that lurch towards our morally degrading form of tolerance? By the way, I didn't like this Q&A session as much as the other one. It was a lot more um, um, ambival- ambivalent. So it says, Yes, America is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, but we should reject what it is sometimes called Christian nationalism. That being said, as a nation, we moved from a God-centered mindset to a man-centered mindset. That means we have shifted from the question, what honors God, to the question, what brings me happiness? There was a time when it was generally believed that we existed for God, but today God is redefined to exist for us. A me-centered worldview will always lead to people doing what is right in their own eyes, which is a quote from Judges, of course. In other words, they will be tolerant of evil and perhaps even promote it. Even in the end of Romans, as at 127, last, ja- uh, last verse of the first chapter of Romans 1, um, he writes... So it's verse 37. He says, Although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. That's something to keep in mind. We give hearty approval to people who practice the rampant sin. And so, the, as my comment goes here, yeah, we're not founded as a Christian nation. That is, that is not true. We were founded on general Christian principles, Christian-type principles, technically, actually, Enlightenment principles, which had a lot to do with finding God at the center of it all and was deeply informed by Christian consciousness. But we weren't a Christian nation per se. Only about a third of the people were what you'd consider solid Christian. Many of them were deists. They just believed in a form of God and and that morality rooted from the fact that there was a God. Now, there's an excellent series by R.C. Sprawl about this, and um, I can't remember the exact... Term of it. I'll try and find it and uh, put it down here as the uh, down here. But he really talked about the philosophical openings of the nation and uh, is a very good, very good series which looked at this. And in reality, yeah, we're not founded as a Christian nation, but we were founded on a nation who believed in the root of a God which gave in a inset morality. And what's happened is we are moving away from that where now morality is defined by what is culturally sound. So of course you use that same arguments, people. Well, what about pedophilia? Because they keep on now bringing this to the front. There's a whole lot of people trying to bring this to the front. Oh, no, no, because that's illegal. Well, no, it's only illegal if society says it is. So at what point in time is that going to be legal? Because I got news for you. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, homosexuality was also illegal, but they pedophilia crowd is doing the same things now that the homosexual crowd did then. The question is, what is morally right, and is there a moral right and wrong? And that is something that Christianity seeks to answer. So the next question, what pressures are there in our culture that have led to the acceptance of misguided ideas of inclusion and tolerance as you described in your article? He says, I marvel at how discerning the Bible is. Paul says that the day will come when men and women will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. That's in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. In other words, we are living in a day when our theology is often derived from our passions and not from God's word. Because as fallen creatures, we want to fulfill the cravings of our fleshly passions. Therefore, we can be easily duped into false but enticing theories of tolerance and inclusion. There are other pressures, of course, but unbridled human desire is a chief culprit. I'm not sure I have much else to add to that. That is very good and very succinctly put. What pressures are there that have led to it? Well, the, the Bible's very clear on this. We do accumulate for ourselves things that we want to hear. Next question. So how do we balance the biblical teaching about sexuality with the fact that we are to be loving and merciful? So a great question, we have to be loving but also discerning. There is a kind of love that is evil. This is true, guys. There's a kind of love that is evil. The Bible warns about those who are lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money. Jesus said, this is the love that you keep my commandments. True love is bound in keeping the commandments of Christ. This is why it's so important. He writes, so yes, we must balance biblical truth with biblical love. It is difficult but not impossible, and Jesus models how this can be done. So what do we do? Well, the fact is that sometimes we have to tell people what you're going to do is leading you down a lifestyle. Look at the, uh, is it the NBC or Dateline, whatever it was this last week, where they did a very balanced news article looking at transitioning and detransitioning. They brought in experts from both sides. They interviewed several kids who were pushing a transitioning way too fast, and every one of them regretted it. And they're just like, they can never go back. These are people who can never, ever, ever go back and live a normal life. And they were simply pushed into this because of the crazy, sinful radicalism of our world. No extra counseling, no extra time, no, hey, we're going to sit on this for a year and see what you think. No, no, no. It's like the very first, it's like Babylon Bee had an article, woman, uh, girl, what was it? No. Yeah, girl rushed to the hospital for emergency transition surgery for bringing a GI Joe to school. I think that was the Babylon Bee headline. A Glorious example of our culture. A kid shows up in school carrying some, you know, some toy that's predefined of the opposite gender. And oh my God, you must be transgender. What? That's insane. And we have to say, love sometimes says no. Love sometimes says, no, we got to slow down. Love is going to stop somebody from going through and making a lifelong radical change. It's like when I was mentoring kids, I generally disagree with the people who run around changing all their hair color blue and stuff. I said, you know what? You want to do that? Fine, because it's temporary. It goes away. But I said, don't get tattoos until you know for a fact that they're not going to interfere with your life. There's business people out there that got tattoos in their 18s and 19s and they're so cool. And now they completely hate the fact because now they have to go in a professional setting and they're covered in tattoos. But if you're going to be a tattoo artist, you need tattoos, you know. And so it's why we counsel people: don't make any permanent changes to your body until you are absolutely sure and set what you want to do. And so that is definitely, um, definitely something there. Next question: Has our culture, um, has our culture affected the way in which the gospel is presented in evangelical churches today? Uh, Let me say yes. But he writes, yes. Today the gospel is often preached as a way to emphasize how salvation benefits us in this life. It leads us to better marriage. It helps us become prosperous and brings us personal peace, etc. That may, of course, be true as a fruit of the gospel. But the essence of the gospel in the New Testament is that salvation shields us from the wrath of God. Today, church consultants tell us that we should preach about people's felt needs. Perhaps that's true, but when unbelievers stand before God at the great white throne judgment, their greatest felt need will be for the righteousness of Christ. We must see that the primary purpose of the gospel is not our happiness, but for God's glory. And that is true. So many churches are just pushing self-help programs, not church itself. And let's do our last question. We're a little longer than I like to be on the daily walks, but there's only one more question left, so let's go ahead and do it. What do you see for the future of the church in our culture? He says, too often the church succumbs to culture rather than resisting it. And hands down, half the churches in this, in this town now are, are pro-LGBT. It's very frightening. And frankly, they're leading people astray says, there is no area in which we are more vulnerable in the matter of sexuality. So there will be increasing pressure to accept same-sex marriage and tolerance and other forms of immoral lifestyles. I agree. But sadly, many churches are substituting social justice teachings in place of the gospel, and that is a tragic loss. Social justice can be defined in many different ways, but even at its best, it is not the gospel. The gospel is not what we can do for Jesus, but rather what Jesus has done for us as needy sinners. That is the message needed by most today. And that is so true. Many churches fall into this pattern of teaching these aberrations, social justice, and all these. Social justice, we're a racist nation. Two presidents ago was a black guy and he won a second term. Okay, we're not, in, we're not inherently racist. We're not systemically racist. No, that's not true. And sure, I'm just a white guy, so I'm racist. I don't even know it. I know that's what social justice leads us to believe. But frankly, it's wrong. <laughs> that's not true. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, we have to sit down and we have to embrace the gospel again in our churches. Not social justice, not bowing down to this. It has been shocking to see how many churches have bent the knee to social justice and all this other nonsense. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up here today. If you like this, let me know in the comments down below. Also on the website, ourwalkingchrist.com. Hang out over there. Thanks for watching, guys, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord.